Wow, this episode with Ashling Fox is going to blow your socks off. Um, some incredible information there for men and women um, about uh, women's health, about infertility, about fertility, about uh, the reproductive system and the menstrual cycle, all sorts of amazing stuff. But I want to just say one thing about our wonderful sponsors, Ethos. The reason why I brought Ethos on as sponsors of the podcast is because I have actually been using their products for years as part of my routine in training and just looking after myself, right? So if it's something like you you want to try CBD products and see how you get on with them, I do have a 20% discount code so that it's kind of less expensive for you to enter into the world of CBD, right? So the code is FTS20. So let's flip the script. So FTS20, and it's usable on the Ethos page. And the two products that I thoroughly recommend are the Active and Rest Drops. So the Active Drops have vitamin D in them. And that helps me because I suffer with sinus issues and head colds in the summer when I'm training. If any of you guys are suffering with those, it will definitely help you out. High potency vitamin D. It's great for um, taking it during the wintertime. And I also, the rest drops, I take them before bed. They help me get a good night's sleep. They rewire my mind to get me into that restful state of mind. And I find them brilliant. And the other product is the Repair Balm. It's a CBD Repair Balm. I use it for anti-inflammatory when my muscles are sore after training. Um, I use it just as a kind of a massage oil as well. And for it to use the kind of natural anti-inflammatory uh, product, uh, products that are in the uh, CBD Repair Balm. It's one of their best-selling products because it is so magnificent. You get so long out of a jar of it as well. So that's why Ethos are the sponsors of the podcast is because I've used their products for so long. I believe in what they do and I stand over them. So if you want to try CBD products, we have that 20% discount, FTS20. Use it on the Ethos site and please let me know how you get on with it. DM me on Instagram or leave a comment below. If you're listening to this on Spotify, leave a comment below the uh, podcast and let me know how you get on with it. But without further ado, here is the episode with the wonderful Ashling Fox. Welcome, Ashling. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I would love, right? And this is the weirdest. I actually was asked this question yesterday, right? It's like, tell me a little bit about yourself, right? But I suppose you have... Um, a very um, tight-knit community developed on your Instagram page, right? Mm -hmm. Who would those people know you as? AOK Nutrition, probably. Like, I've been out on nights out and people go, oh my God, it's AOK. <laughs> or like, I was at an event last week and people don't know me as Ashley, they know me as AOK. So probably mm -hmm. AOK Nutrition. And it, what's the story with AOK? Is it actually like, A-OK -okay, as in the actual saying or? So my name was Ashing O'Kelly before I got married right. for years. So I was, I was Ashing O'Kelly when I qualified and I was okay. like, oh my God, that sounds great. A-OK, -okay, Ashing O'Kelly makes sense. And then when people realise, they're like, that's such a good name. Yeah. So then I just didn't change it. Like I'm Ashing Fox now, but okay. we'll keep it A-OK. -okay. Yeah, we keep it A-OK. -okay. okay, yeah. class. Um, and so how did you get into the area of kind of women's nutrition? What what struck you that like, all right, okay, I'm 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 qualified, um, I'm qualified nutritionist. What why did you want to specialize with helping women? So I am in business now 10 years. So that's mm. 10 years working one-to-one -one with clients. Mm. And I'd say it's in the last 
how many years? I'd say five or six years. I've really fallen into the world of female health and hormones. And mostly it was because there was such a demand for it mm. that I was seeing women come into my clinic, haven't been to doctors, they're on medications, their symptoms are no better. They're having no help from medical practitioners. And there was just such, not even a gap in the market from like me being like, oh my God, this is a brilliant business opportunity. More so I was like, I need to help these people. The reason I do my job, I have such a calling to help and educate people. Mm. So the more I got myself educated on female health and hormones, the more, and the more I spoke about it online, that just kind of created this community of people. And then I guess because natural medicine and what we do is so successful for these conditions that I would see that obviously built the business because if I can help you you tell five people you right. know yeah. so I think really just people needed it like it's it's such an area that's so misunderstood it's so under-researched we're not taught about it like I always say things we should have been taught in school as females so it's just something that I think people really caught on because of information we all really need to know mm. Yeah, because like they, they say, if you solve a problem for somebody, you'll have a great business, right? Mm -hmm. So if there's a problem and you solve it for somebody, that's a great business model, right? Um, but what kind of issues were you seeing people kind of come into you with and kind of, did you feel like there was a gap in the health system for that? It's not do I feel, there was. Mm. It's not my personal feelings to it, but absolutely, 100%. So if I have someone come into me and I, it's still the same now, like it hasn't really changed over the years. People, women have more self-awareness, I think, or maybe it's just because they're following me first and then come in and they're like, oh, I saw that on your Instagram where I've already got these bloods done. But I would have someone come into me and they're not getting pregnant. OK, mm -hmm. and I'd say, well, are you ovulating? And they're like, mm, I don't really know if I'm ovulating or not. I don't think so. We get their bloods done. They're not ovulating. They were told by their doctor everything is fine. Like we'll put that in inverted commas. So like a lot of the way the medical... Um, team or medical world are trained they're not trained to look at like optimal levels they're kind of look, looking at things that are out of range and that's not always the case when it comes to hormones things have to be optimal you can't wait for things to be on the ground before symptoms happen mm -hmm. so that was the first thing I was seeing definitely is women presenting with symptoms and drugs don't work for these symptoms so I'd have other clients come to me saying oh I had bad skin I had acne and the pill fixed it and they come off the pill to get pregnant and they've acne again Mm -hmm. or I have clients saying oh I had irregular cycles I had no period but the pill fixed it and I'm like no 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 the pill can never fix irregular cycles the pill works by switching off your hormones and the bleed you would get is a fake period most people didn't know that I didn't know that when right. I was you know 20 so people go oh I didn't realize that I thought that was a real period so those issues I'm still seeing today but I guess what you're we saying there a few minutes ago, it's not me being like, oh, it's a great business opportunity. It was me like literally sitting there being like, how do we not know these things? Like, how were we never taught these things? Mm. Yeah, like uh, just a few things even in the first couple of minutes there, <laughs> just uh, like throwing up for me, right? As a man, right? I would have thought that every woman that has a period would be ovulating, right? That, that's, that, that they would have a period in their cycle that they could get pregnant in, right? Obviously, look, that's not the case. But like, you were saying that one of the issues that, and this happens in the mental health sphere as well, right? Where I think that there's overprescription and there's not really looking at the uh, it in a holistic way, and there's over, there's um, uh, there isn't as much kind of um, I would say care, I suppose, for um, uh, people. It's kind of like right, oh, you're displaying these symptoms, we'll give you these drugs. Is that what was happening? Do you believe? A hundred percent, like. My heart goes out to the doctors and the nurses and the specialists. I've, I've endocrinologists who can't help these people and they're so well trained. I'm like, if you got to that level, even though, even as a GP, 
how many hours have they put into their training? How much money have they spent put into their training? They're doing their job because at some point they want to help people as well. But it's their training that lets them down. So if you go in to a doctor and you have no period and they don't really fully understand the blood test, they weren't trained to look at it from like, you know, the optimal levels I was talking about. Mm-hmm. They People want a prescription. Mm-hmm. That's all they can give you. They don't understand about supplements. They don't understand about lifestyle medicine. They don't understand about the impact of stress on hormones. They've never trained in that. Like I've spent 10 years doing this. Mm-hmm. I trained 10 years ago and I'm constantly updating myself. So it's not their fault. And I think it's the way society is. If we're not given a prescription walking out, you're saying, well, that was 60 euros for nothing. So I think that needs to shift. I think doctors need to be able to accept this is out my, outside my area of scope. You need to go talk to someone who's specialized in hormones, a nutritionist, even and like, again, so much respect, but even gynecologists and endocrinologists, they're limited as well. Like I've had clients come back to me saying, my endocrinologist said it's nothing got to do with what I'm eating. And I'm like, how is that possible? Like, like, or really irritated me a few weeks ago, I had a client and I have them on an amazing supplement. So she's endometriosis. And it's a brilliant supplement called NAC. It's N-acetylcysteine. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. So it's a really good liver support supplement, right? And loads of research. It's one of the most researched supplements at the moment for endometriosis, which is like these cysts that grow in the ovaries can be really, really painful. Long story short, we had her on this supplement as per this amazing clinical trial that I was reading. Her cyst shrunk. She went back. So it went from 5.2 centimetres to 1.2 centimetres in the space of 12 months. Oh. She's back with her doctor for a checkup and was like, oh my God, like they're, they're so much lower. You know, I'm on this supplement. And she goes, no, that wouldn't do anything. Completely dismissed it. She works with women every single day with endometriosis and so dismissive of this supplement. If that was me, I'd be like, oh my God, I know nothing about it. But do you want to send me that? Like my client, like she's kind of in her 40s, well capable of like standing up for herself kind of thing. And she was like, I can send you the papers on it. Like and she just was not interested at all. So I don't know whether it's almost like a resistant to like as if they're being challenged. They don't like the challenge of their expertise, if that makes sense. Like, who am I like this nutritionist? I'm not a doctor. You know what I mean? Challenging them. So I think like a lot of it could be ego, mm-hmm. you know, I'm um, going off on a tangent here. No, but no, no. <laughs> this is all relevant. Yeah, yeah, completely. So it's like the medical industry needs to change and recognize that there's absolutely a space for medicine. I've sent people to go on birth control in certain situations, but also most of it is down to lifestyle. Yeah. There's there's a lot being thrown up there, right? Just speaking on kind of more, as you were you had, had mentioned there, right? This kind of like being challenged, right? Or your life's work being questioned in many ways. Like that's got to be a very, very difficult thing for a person that's in that position as well. As we say, see, like if you're talking about the psychology, if somebody was to uh, was to come into your office and say, well, the problem we've been having for six months, this person's after solving it. You, it th- there is a, um, a part of us as human beings that would tend to be skeptical. You know what I mean? It's like, I've tried everything and I know so much. And then this person comes in. So there's maybe like this natural resistance. But when... Uh, a client comes in and is um, displaying certain symptoms with you. What do you do differently to, to what these doctors would be doing? I always say we get to the root of the problem. So if someone, for example, give me something, if they're... If they're not getting pregnant. If they're not getting pregnant. So, okay, why are you not getting pregnant? Is Are you ovulating every month? If you're not ovulating, there's a number of reasons why. And this is actually a really good example. So let's just say you're not ovulating. The medical 
kind of approach is you put on birth control and then you get a fake bleed and people go, oh, brilliant, I'm fixed. Or you get prescribed Clomid, which is a drug to stimulate ovulation. Can I pause you for one minute? Yeah. If you're not ovulating, will you have a period? You can. This is why it's so <laughs> misleading because I was like, why was this not drilled into us in school? Like mm-hmm. we, I, I remember my jaw literally hitting the floor when I learned this, probably in my early 20s. Just because you have a bleed doesn't mean you've ovulated. You can have a thing called an ovulatory cycle where you still make a hormone called estrogen, which makes your your period grow. But then it just you just get a period and you haven't actually made ovulated and made progesterone after that. So normally these periods are a little bit different. They're usually really heavy, really painful. Like I always say to my clients, do you remember being in school and having those horrific periods? And everyone's like, oh my God, yeah. Like we all, as women, people are like, oh my God, yeah, those mad periods. You know, you'd be mortified if you threw your skirt in school and you'd be like having to go home early and mm. all the stuff the lads don't have to think about. But most women would be like, yeah, I actually do remember that. And it's really common for teenagers to have anovulatory cycles because our menstrual cycle doesn't fully develop till we're 18. Now imagine you're having really heavy periods and you get put in the pill at 15 for these. That really actually can disrupt the production of your hormones in later life because your menstrual cycle hasn't been fully developed. We actually switched it off too soon. So going back to ovulation, for example, no matter what the root cause, you go into your doctor, you're prescribed the pill or birth control to induce a fake bleed. Or if you're going in, say, fertility route, they'll give you drugs to stimulate ovulation. When I see clients, you might not be ovulating from stress. You could be over-exercising and under-eating like hypothalamic menorrhea. I'm sure you've heard of that before at work with clients. You could have PCOS, which is high testosterone. You could have too much prolactin, which is another hormone that stops your period. You could have low iron. You could have an underactive thyroid. So there is... Pro- prolactin is a drug that you can actually... is It can act like a pill, no? Prolactin is a hormone. Okay. So when you normally see this, women are breastfeeding. Okay, and it goes right. up really, really high. And a lot of times that's why it stops our periods when we're breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. But stress also puts up prolactin for a lot of women as well. Okay. So it's re- I would say it's really, really common. So there's how many? Five or six different reasons for not ovulating. So in my clinic, we figure out what is the reason. And each root cause equals a different program. So mm-hmm. if you came to me with hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is loss of cycle from stress, potentially under eating, low body weight, potentially not all the time, um, what else? Under-eating carbs, not enough healthy fats. Like your body's just so deficient, okay? And then I see someone with PCOS and I might put them on like a low-carb diet, increase their workouts. That is two polar opposite different programs. For hypothalamic menorrhea, it'd be like increasing your calories, getting more carbs in, reducing your workouts, reducing your weight training. Do you mm-hmm. get me? So it's really important to figure out what is the cause so we can actually implement a plan that's specific for the person. Okay. So it's it's more so looking at that person's life and uh, you, you touched on something there, right? Do you feel like you have a kind of a role, a, a therapy role? Well, yeah, that's definitely, my, my role is a nutritional therapist. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Yeah. And when people come to me, if you understand, like they've been everywhere else a lot of the time. So they've been, they've been on the pills. They've been to the doctors. They've, this is their okay, I'll try something different. So when I sit down with my clients, I go, tell me the story. And Mm. it's 20 minutes of, and then this and this and this. And, you know, a lot of emotions there. Like if you're struggling with fertility or miscarriage, like there's, you know, that's so absolutely like it's, you know, a huge part of my job. It's got to be so frustrating for a a woman that, you know, because I know (laughs) I I can sense that there might be this kind of uh, narrative in women's minds where it's like, this is my body should be doing this. It should be able to do this. And I think that's where um, I've definitely seen just um, with, with kind of my own experiences, like, you know, people kind of tend to go in on themselves, you know, they seem to blame themselves. And then there's this kind of 
vicious cycle created where you, you're just after saying there, you can identify that somebody has a high level of stress and this is causing them to not be able to get pregnant. And then the vicious cycle is created by mm -hmm. their stress being exacerbated by this inability to get pregnant. And then it continues on. And whereas like your, your approach is to actually to sit down with this person and figure out, uh, it's a very tailored kind of a approach that you have here because it's not a kind of a one size fits all. You have to do an awful lot of checking. So somebody comes in the door to you, what would you expect um, their kind of journey to look like if, if we're following the pattern of, of let's say it's infertility or um, maybe it's even something like irregular periods or something like that, what would kind of the pathway be? I suppose first they come in, I'm, I I really am a big fan of getting bloods done, like regular blood testing, because if someone comes in and they haven't had bloods done in two years, it's hard to know. Like, yes, stress can be a factor, but imagine you're stressed and actually just low on iron. Like, mm. it's like you're missing a piece of the puzzle. So I always talk about like a big jigsaw puzzle. So I find bloods really, really beneficial for people to come in and have them done. Then we always look at diet. We look at gut health. Like, the way you get rid of hormones is you poo them out. So the first thing I look at if someone comes to me with acne or regular cycles or anything, any hormonal issues, if they're struggling with digestion, that will always be step one because right. no amount of supplements and herbs and like I can put them on the best quality things. If they can't absorb it and they're not detoxifying things properly, it's not going to work. So mm -hmm. that's the first thing for anyone listening. Like if you're struggling with gut issues, they have to be resolved before your hormones are going to be resolved. And then we go through nutrition, maybe some supplements. And I normally give clients a three week plan or not three weeks, sorry, three month plan because your hormones take about three months to fully shift. Now you could see an improvement within a month of symptoms, but really though for like heavy periods and PMS and acne and irregular cycles, I'm like, let's give it three months because it's so interesting. The eggs in, your, in our ovaries take about three months to fully develop. So it's like you or me in three months time will have completely different eggs. Imagine you were deficient in iron and now in three months time, you're, you're, it's optimal. Mm. So your body will be functioning differently in three months time. <clears throat> so normally three months and then I would do a follow-up and see how they're getting on. So my whole approach with clients is like, and I always say, hate saying it's so cliche, but like it's such a lifestyle change. It is such a lifestyle change. People come into my clinic, they're going to have periods for the next 20 years. So this is not a 12-week transformation program. I don't want them. I don't talk about getting rid of the takeaways and having no wine and because that's good for the soul. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like there's nothing like finish work on a Friday and getting your jammies and open a bottle of red wine. And if that's what you're into. So you have to understand the balance of both things, a little bit what your soul wants. And then are you nourishing yourself on the other side and understanding how your hormones work? That's a huge part. I, I literally sit down and do a biology lesson with every single one of my clients. I want them to understand their menstrual cycle. And most people don't. I go, do you know when you're ovulating? They're like, um, not really. And they get real embarrassed. And I'm like, no, most people don't. I was like, this isn't a trick question. We were never taught it. How would you know? Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? When it comes to women's health, where are we falling down in education? There's no education. Our education is in first year in school. I was taken out of our class, all the women, and we were brought into a separate room to the boys and showed how to use a sanitary pad. Like that was their sex ed. Um, leaving to our junior biology, which we all did, which is the reproductive system. And you learn about the FSH and LH and like the follicular phase and the egg being released from the ovary going down the fallopian tube and if fertilization doesn't take place, that language is so different to what actually happens in your menstrual cycle. So I would say literally the exact same phrase as what the science just said. Oh, you know, when you're ovulating and you feel really good and your hormones are high and your, your energy is better, your appetite's better, your sex drive is better. Like, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. 
So there was no kind of like, this is the signs and this is what happens in your body at the same time. We were never educated on that. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know. I think it should be like a module in fourth year even or even in first year, like understanding how your menstrual cycle works, hormones, emotions, like female emotions are different throughout your cycle. Mm. So there's been days I'm literally looking at my husband being like, why is he chewing so loud? I'm, I'm actually going to murder him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what is he doing? I was like, He's perfectly trying to annoy me. And then I got my period the next day and I'm like, oh, okay, that's why I was like that. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Or like feel so overwhelmed and I just ignore all my emails and just like go to bed early and I get my period next day. I'm like, okay, that's why I was like that yesterday. Mm. So it's really, I think it's really empowering for women to understand them, their cycle because then you know, like, okay, it's not me, it's my hormones. Sometimes you feel a bit crazy, like, but it's actually not just you. It's, it's there's other factors involved in it. Mm. You, you touched on something there really important, right? Is like the, um, the, the male part in this, right? Because, um, look, I'm the reason why I wanted to get you on is I'm incredibly interested in this. Like, regardless of even one person listening to this podcast, it's me just having the chat here. I leave with more knowledge, and that's yeah. this is why I wanted <laughs> to have this this conversation, right? So, like, do you feel like um, this is kind of going to be a two part question? So the first part I'd, I'd love to get into is like, do you feel like um, boys in school? level and school age should be given more information on on I suppose more if you think about it in kind of like a from both sides more in-depth uh, knowledge of kind of the, the menstrual cycle of the sexual reproductive system in and, and not just in a scientific way but more so how it maybe plays out in real life 100% how many of them of those boys are going to have mums or sisters or girlfriends or daughters yeah so it could be half the population not having a clue. Mm. Like we don't have a clue. We're trying to understand. But it's so important. It's literally like that. Like you but, could be but living it's still taboo, isn't it? It's still, it's, it's like, it's still this kind of a taboo thing. I think we're changing. I think it's real old Ireland though. It's a bit taboo. Like I know, like our generation are definitely more, like you're sitting here talking to me. Mm. Would you think my dad, like was your dad if I'd done this? Like, Well, my dad would. <laughs> no, because my dad is a very open-minded person and he's 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 all about this type my of My dad's 75, right? And there's no way he would have sat down and done a podcast. Like at your age, like at mm -hmm. 32, that would have been like so like there was that 40 years ago that like mm -hmm. the, the, the women's problems like do you know what I mean I remember even being pee in school and I'd be like I have cramps and they'd be like okay no problem just sit out they wouldn't even ask questions you had cramps last week as well like do you know what I mean yes. so defo men have this kind of like oh my god but it's it's lack of education for them it's, it's almost again it's kind of the doctor thing it's not their fault it's just mm -hmm. pure like like lack of education and like even my partner now would be very much I would I would say is a very empowered woman right and owns her her femininity but just the other week, she whispered to me to get tampons while I was out in the shop. Yeah. When she, while she was in the house with my parents and stuff, right? So it's like, and they have a very close relationship. So I don't know why that happened. It, it, it was kind of almost irregular for her to say that, but I... I, I think I, it's her not making them uncomfortable. Maybe. Because if you were in the house on your own, you'd say, can you get me tampons? So it's, yes. we see it as the older generation. Like, and I'd be the same. Like, I wouldn't be as, if I'm talking to my husband's parents, I'm not as like blasé as I would be sometimes or yeah. certain aunties or like you have to respect other people's like my dad as well for example that's just his generation so we can't give out to that generation for not being as educated because mm. that's just the way they were raised like they're doing their best but like do you know that kind of way so I think it will change like if you had a daughter 
you would definitely be educating yourself on this. Mm. And I think hopefully men. Well, I have a, I have a son, and I would like to. Yeah, even I would for like him. for him yeah. to know. Yeah, Do you know, like obviously in time, you know yeah. what I mean. When his when he is able to grasp the concepts, you know what I mean. And um, because for me, it, it yeah, it was always kind of a this is a girl's thing. You don't mm-hmm. need to know about that, and and that's it. And I'm like. Well, when you when you when you go down the line, and let's say someone's trying, you're you're with somebody, and you're trying to get pregnant, and you have absolutely no idea what's happening for this person. Not even so much like the you know why you're not getting pregnant, but what's actually happening for this person uh, in terms of the way they're thinking, and in their uh, you know the way their hormones are working. It's it, I I think there is a responsibility, and I actually this is a, this is even funny, right? I made a video walking in here saying, I have great guests on today, especially for the female listeners. Mm-hmm. Right? And I was like, hmm, it's probably for everybody. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Yeah. So, because because if I'm interested in it, like the, I, I find that because I run a, a men's outdoor adventure kind of a community, right? So, and we have this opening circle and a closing circle at the start of our hikes where we kind of talk about what we're, you know, what, what way, what things are happening for us. Um, could be a family life, work life, whatever the case may be. Nothing's off the table, air it out, get it out there. And then when we're on the walk, we just, we just fall into conversation mm-hmm. about these topics that we've raised and it's brilliant. Right. And I feel like it's like, um, if, if we, if, if, if it was normal for us to be talking about things where it's like, you know, actually we're trying to get pregnant or whatever and blah, blah, blah. You know, um, I feel like that that it would help create a more balanced atmosphere. What I mean by that is the burden is heavily laid upon women. Mm-hmm. And where I think that, you know, as I'm I'm to my wife, I want to be a support system to her. But I think without the right knowledge, it's very hard. Yeah. We were also taught that like, like ovulations for making babies. And that's still why, like I've gang clients go to the doctor. I'm not having a period. They go, oh, are you trying to get pregnant? And they're like, no what's the problem? Like they're genuinely like, what's the issue then if you're not trying to get pregnant? Mm. So ovulation is how we make our hormones. First half is like estrogen, progesterone, like I said, your mood, your energy, your sex drive, painkiller, like it's, they're, they're a huge impact on our, our, our monthly feelings, let's say. So men are kind of similar. It's like, oh, that's, you know, if you're not trying to have a baby, why do you need to know about that? Like, do you get me? It's again, just the lack of awareness around, well, I always, that's my biggest thing. Ovulation's not just for making babies. It's for making your hormones. Yeah. It's, it's such an important part. I suppose like if you're supposed to be doing it and it's not happening, then there's an issue. No, if you're supposed to be, if, if, if women are supposed to be having a menstrual cycle and yeah. ovulating every month and they're not. Definitely. It's a sign of health. So that is something I will shout on Instagram. It Mm. drives me around the bend when they're told, it's fine, everything's normal. You got your blood. No, everything is normal. I'm like, there's absolutely no way. There's just no way your blood's can be normal if you're not ovulating. Mm. There's a sign that your body's not healthy. Your body thinks, I cannot get pregnant at the moment. Absolutely not. And even if you don't want to get pregnant, it's like not everyone's have babies, which is fine. But it's a saying your body feels it's able to, which is a huge thing. It feels safe. It feels nourished, you know, that way. So... like ovulation for women is a sign of health the same way like you might track your sleep or digestion or your mood or we can track our menstrual cycles Mm -hmm. and that will help us understand where we are in 
in our wellness, basically. I track I track going to the toilet, right? In yeah. that, I look at what it what it's like, you know. And uh, I suppose that's more for just kind of like the athletic side of it. It's like, am I constipated or uh, should I, you know, up my fiber intake? Yeah. That they're just the smaller kind of minimal uh, stuff. But it is those are great daily markers of like how your kind of a general health and digestive health is and stuff like that. So it's it's you know it's such a um, it's so important to keep in touch with that. Um, you also are very well versed in herbal medicine. Yeah. Could you speak to me in the kind of the place that that has in 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 female um, health and in female reproductive uh, yeah. health? Yeah, it's kind of a random one. I think like herbal medicine so not widely known, especially in like the Western world. Um, I think people are kind of coming around it a little bit more. So basically just briefly the background of herbal medicine. My mum was a herbalist. So my mum is also like a naturopath and herbalist. She's her own clinic that she started in 1994. Left her job as a nurse <laughs> to become a herbalist. I was like, people genuinely must thought she was absolutely, four kids at home. <laughs> like now being my age now, I'm like, how did my dad, like that's just saying bananas. Like fair enough, like I'm a herbalist and people think it's less woo-woo and I'm not like dancing in Glendalough like Maybe you're Harrison. not maybe you're not you know as I mean? open-minded about your father or maybe he's you know very I mean? yeah, open-minded maybe he is. You know? but it's mad that back then that's what she did so we've always had herbs in the clinic and the way herb medicine the, the part that they play so I would have trained in like traditional Chinese medicines that's really old like ancient medicine 3,000 years old in China that's probably still the main way they, they use treatment obviously drugs have their place as well and then we've western herbs as well which most people know like things like dandelion or lavender or oats or thyme like most people know those kind of things so we we have about 300 different herbs in our clinic all for different symptoms and different things and we make up personalized tonics and with the Chinese medicine part of it we we have a thing called like the energetics of someone so I look at your tongue we look at the pulse we look at your demeanor you know what I mean you can do iridology as well I trained in that but I don't really do that much because it's a bit complicated so you can look at your eyes and based on all these symptoms that helps us decide what tonic will be best for you so I declined literally just before I walked in here she's suffering with acne and her tongue had a big yellow coating on it so yellow in Chinese medicine be sign of like like think about pus and yellow it's infection so mm -hmm. I know I need to give her bacterial herbs antibacterial herbs to kill her acne okay okay Whereas some people I would see their tongue isn't red and it's just, or not, it's not yellow. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's more linked to hormones. So it's just, it helps us kind of narrow down those 300 herbs sitting in front of us. I think herb medicine is a lost medicine. That me going back and studying. So I went back in 2020 and studied herb medicine, even though we've used it for years in the clinic. And I knew it as like a, do you know what I mean? Like a, the, what's it, like layman's, like I knew what herbs were good for skin, but I didn't know the science of them. So there's so much science ingrained in herbs, so many medications, so much drugs are taken from herbal medicine, for example, like aspirin's one called Salix alba, mm. which is, it's like willow bark, which is a really good herb for pain. And then they, they took aspirin from that. But when I went and studied it, I was like, nature has given us every single thing that we need, everything. Mm. Like, so we've just forgotten that. Yeah. So if, we, if we're able to tap into that and use it alongside lifestyle medicine, that will balance the body. Like, why do we think that we're put here and, you know, there's not things to help support stress or support liver, support digestion through herbs and through foods. Like it's... Mm. Well, penicillin comes from a fungus. So, yeah. you know, and yeah, it's probably yeah. like one of, like I would imagine penicillin is probably one of the most successful drugs ever made. Yeah. You know, the, like, you know, when, when people used to get like wounds in, in war and stuff before, they'd cut people's limbs and stuff off because of gangrene and they couldn't treat these bacterial infections. And then sure... 
chances are people are going to either die or you know or or get infected um because they're not able to treat it then penicillin comes in changes the game and loads of these injuries that are related to wounds and deaths that are related to wounds go because of this this accidental mistake yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know um so i think if we if we that's that's where i think it's us as human beings are so far removed from what we take yeah <clears throat> completely we don't know what like ibuprofen and we don't know where we're getting those things but they're all from the natural world we can't we don't just make it out of the air or mm-hmm. in a lab it's like oh we make these things in a lab you cannot make matter from something from nothing you have to make it from something it can only change so um that's uh, yeah it's it's uh, that's why i suppose i'm very open to um to i suppose the most hor- the more horrible side of it. our sponsor ethos all their herbs yeah and yeah. the and the like the cbd products mm-hmm. um i i'm a big believer in well like it's not even that i'm a believer in it i know that there is actually studies that it is helping me with inflammation well they they also have uh, ones with vitamin d that are helping me specifically because i am susceptible to sinus issues and i'm susceptible to head colds so vitamin d i just i take that and i find it to be unbelievable for mm-hmm. Um, for 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 stopping me from getting those. So, do you think that there is like again? It's probably education. Completely, and it's education, but then also, like, go to the expert. Like you know, like the, the herb medicine course is four years. You do five hundred hours of clinical practice. It's a wow. huge. It's huge. So major undertaking. Yeah, do you know that way? So yeah, you might know. Oh, I feel a bit sick. I'll put a bit of thyme in my vegetable soup. Like you know, people might learn things from that, like just from naturally. But then it, it, I think people have lost that as well. Um, but I think recognizing and and trusting herbalists and hopefully more herbalists. This will be a, a bigger part of medicine in the next couple of years because there's always a place for drugs. This thing, I think it should be like us and them together. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you have really, really bad strep throat, you literally have massive pussy yellow tonsils. I'm like, go to the doctor and get an antibiotic. Like yes. clear that. And what you do between now and the next time you get sick is important. This is where herbs can come in. So for like acute things, absolutely use drugs. That's what they're meant to be for. But it's the chronic long-term illnesses that are a problem. And hormones, the difference, like... I went back and studied herb medicine because I'm so passionate about hormones and nearly every single one of my clients with chronic issues, I was prescribing herbs through my mom. I can't prescribe. So I was like, even if my mom ever wants to retire down the line, like I need to be able to be a herbalist. So mm-hmm. that prompted me to go back because I was like, I could never run my clinic without herbs. I could never see, get the results that I'm getting now without herbs. I think that's a huge part why we're so busy because you walk into my clinic and I look at your bloods, which is very science-based and then I'm saying, right, to so get your tongue there. <laughs> yes. And we're looking at that from a Chinese medicine perspective. Yeah. So you're getting the best of both modalities, really old, traditional, ancient medicine and then the most up-to-date scientific research. Yeah. It's such a good um, intertwining of the of the two. I think, yeah. you know, like... I, I, and I also like that you're open to both both of them being right and wrong for the specific case. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, I, I speak an awful lot about, you know, more so on mental health side of things that it, that our journey to healing or recovery um, starts with awareness, right? Awareness that there's a problem. How do we make, how, how do we... Um, create an environment where women and I suppose everybody are more aware of the markers, the health markers that we should be, you know, looking at. 
Again, go back to the menstrual cycle. That will tell you. So I say to clients, your period is your monthly report card. Okay. What, what, what should women be looking for yeah. in, in that? So in the run up to your period, so that like kind of the two weeks before your luteal phase, we have a hormone called progesterone. And progesterone is meant to be really calming. It's meant to be um, great for pain. It's meant to help lighten your periods. Like, so we want loads and loads of progesterone. This is the goal, mm-hmm. right? Stress will inhibit project- progesterone production. So if you have a really, really busy month and all of a sudden your boobs are sore for two weeks before, you have really bad cramps, you have really heavy periods, you can be like, oh, to be honest, I've been a bit stressed. And when I say stress as well, this is the biggest misconception you probably see with clients. Stress is not just you going through a stressful period. I think we all think of something that's been very stressful. But then I say to people, well, are you busy? And they're like, oh my God, I'm up the walls. I'm so busy. And I'm like, it's the exact same hormone. Drinking too much coffee. With women fasting, I don't know how you feel about fasting. I mm. really don't like fasting for, for women. Really I really don't like, like fasting. Fasting research, we're not small men, we're mm. women. So men don't have progesterone the same way we do. So it can really impact women. Really intense HIIT workouts. Like a real typical thing I would see, get up in the morning, they might do a HIIT class or CrossFit workout, two cups of coffee, breakfast at 12 o'clock. And they're like, oh, I'm actually not hungry till 12. And I'm like, you're not hungry because caffeine suppresses your appetite. <laughs> and they might have a really busy day in work. And then they're wondering why their periods are all over the place. So it's, it's, it's even just understanding lifestyle things or like skipping meals or I always call it like blood sugar balancing and then not letting yourself get hangry during the day. <laughs> if you're getting hangry, your blood sugars have crashed and that's when you're like, oh, I need to get something sweet into me and you're craving something and that's another stressor on the body. So it's kind of having the awareness of what also is, is seen as stress and then going back to those kind of markers or triggers. If you had a month of doing everything well, prioritizing your sleep, reducing your caffeine, looking at your workouts, maybe taking a magnesium supplement to support your stress levels, you might get your period and be like, oh my gosh, so much better this week. Whereas next month it might be worse. And there's always a reason. So I think for women, the self-awareness around that is really important. Mm. Yeah, I, I can't I can't speak about my, my, my menstrual cycle. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I can speak about is I know that my ability to recover from training sessions is incredibly inhibited if I have a very busy work week. And that is because my obviously my body and my brain are are really being taxed, right? So if I if I'm if I'm um, dealing with lots of clients and I'm doing lots of programming and I'm then I I'm kind of a bit of a, a jack of all trades, like I'm flying all over the place in terms of uh, um, work is is um, can be you know super busy throughout the week. I know that it's going to take me longer to get into runs. It's going to take me longer to do that. And I have that awareness around that where I'm like, right, well, we have to get into bed early. We have to do certain things on the other side of it or we won't, you know, we won't be able to um, to operate fully. And it's so important that you are saying there that like when when we as human beings think of stress, we think of traffic jams onto places, you know, you know, on the way to getting to places, kids are sick, those kind of things mm-hmm. as stressors, but just our day to day. And some of the stressors can actually be what, what you could say is positive Good stressors. Stress. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like exercise and things like that. That's why I always recommend people doing easy exercise, right? Um, even my clients that are running ultra marathons, I always put like majority of what we do is very easy stuff actually and we just pepper in a bit of hard stuff but i i the idea of somebody just kind of if i if i talk to somebody in in our two-week check-ins and i and they kind of say yeah you know what i'm just feeling really really tired and i'm feeling this like you know what there's a run there i've scheduled in for tomorrow turn that into a walk just enjoy a little walk for yourself 20 minutes get out breathe a bit of fresh air and come back home and get into bed early and that would you think that low level exercise is a good way of 
Okay, right. This is a, a very specific question, I suppose, for many women uh, and men, I suppose, uh, that are that are doing um, these high intensity workouts. Would you kind of be limiting those for women in terms of how often you do them? And would it be more low level cardiovascular exercise you'd recommend? I do think it depends on the person again. Um, I definitely think overdoing HIIT is, is, an, is an issue with women, absolutely. Because most of them are training for weight loss, mm. do you know, like that's, and they think that's the only way to lose weight. Um, there's also, again, with our menstrual cycle, us being absolutely like super women, like the start of your cycle, your estrogen phase, you are stronger, you do have more energy and like you might thrive doing a HIIT workout and really enjoying it. And I always also talk about to my clients, there's a difference between a HIIT workout at seven o'clock on a Thursday after a mental day in work and 11 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday after a good night's sleep, nice breakfast, you've not much on the rest of the day, you're enjoying it, you're meeting your pals afterward. Like they're completely different scenarios. So I think go with what your body needs just because in your calendar doesn't mean you have to do it. You know, and yes. sometimes instead of that 7 p.m. hit workout, is your yoga class on the same time? Like you'll still get the benefits. It's physical activity like that. Your slower exercise you were talking about. You'll still feel good when you come out from your walk, even though you're not sweating coming in the door. So I think, again, self-awareness and for women feeling what you, what your body feels like. Like there's been times I go to gym and I lift my say doing deadlifts and I'm like, oh, I'm very weak today and I'll leave it and I'll do something else. And I'm like, or I'll just drop the weight and I'm not. And I'd be like, oh, I'm day 27 of my cycle. And it's very again empowering being like, okay, this is why I'm like this. Or vice versa. I'll be really strong one day and feel amazing and feel really lean. And I'm like, oh, I'm ovulating today. I feel mm -hmm. great. So it's kind of just manipulating, manipulating your cycle and also the self-awareness behind it that don't push yourself too much if you don't want to do it. Obviously, sometimes you have to kick up, your, give yourself a kick up the bump and go. Yes. <laughs> yeah. See, look, that, that's yeah. not really the, um, it's not the, the narrative online. Oh, I know. It's yeah. so not the narrative online. Mm. Like I, I, even just, just me, me speaking my own personal experience, when people on board with me and they're training for their first 100 kilometer run, they expect that I'm going to have them running for two hours a day or, you know, training super hard all the time. And then I come back then for our first, you know, after our first two weeks of training, they're like, I've never ran so slow and I've never done less running. And I'm like, yeah, just wait. You know, it's, it's, you know, we, we can't, Ex, you know, experience stress all the time on the mm -hmm. body and then expect to perform and expect to be in, you know, to be feeling good for the, the vast majority of our week when we're not training. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Or when we're yeah. not, you know? So yeah. like... Like what sacrifice are you making just for the exercise for the rest of the week? Like Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I suppose to to echo your words um, for, for women, because this is some kind of, this is what we're basing this on is for women that it is just about being aware of where you are in your cycle and mm -hmm. letting that help you plan out kind mm -hmm. of your week to week. And are you doing it before a mad day in work? Are you doing a fasted? Have you got, you having coffee before and then not eating afterwards? Mm -hmm. Like it's the whole thing around your workout as well. Like, are you making sure you're fueling yourself and, yes. not, you know. There's yeah. lots of crossovers here, you know. Yeah, you definitely. Yeah, because yeah absolutely. I'm, I'm always talking to people because I've, I've had people who are like, oh yeah, on Saturday now I get up and I'll, drink, I'll have a cup of coffee and then I go off and do my long run. I'm like, well, that stops now. Yeah. You need to be eating yeah. carbohydrates, get the glycogen levels up. And we need to be fueling that glycogen throughout the run and yeah. keeping you fueled. And I remember I started, um, shout out to Evan Lynch, uh, my my nutritionist who uh, I've had on the podcast twice. He's a fantastic guy. And he um, basically was talking about the exact same things that you're talking about here in that, um, like fueling for what you want. Like if you, he said to me, he goes, if you were driving 200 kilometers to Dublin, would you throw a tenner in the car or would you throw 60 euro in the car? I'd throw 60 euro in the car. I was like, yeah, so don't do that with your body. 
Yeah. You know, um, and I, I'm very, very conscious, right, that we're, we're moving down towards this kind of sports related side of things, right? I deal with a lot of female clients. Is there any questions that I should be asking? And let's say my two week check ins. Is there any questions that I should be asking these the, these women in terms of their cycle? as to like, you know, um, better tailor what what I'm doing. Because like you're, you were just saying there, um, there are certain weeks where you feel really, really strong. There mm-hmm. are certain uh, weeks where you're going to feel a little bit down and you're going to feel a little bit weaker. How could I help them better plan their training schedules? This is kind of a tricky one because my personal experience and what I've read online don't always go together because I do love exercising. Mm. And I think a lot of the time, like women are chronically low in progesterone. So it's always people think, oh, you're meant to have all this PMS before you get your period. And PMS is anything from headaches, sore boobs, acne, breakouts, sugar cravings, cramps. It's a huge variety of symptoms. Everyone might get something, water retention, like everyone gets different things. I have done some of my best workouts three days before I get my period because my progesterone's been okay at the same time. Do you know that way? So I think though, you know, you do hear like tailor down the workouts and do go for your PBs around ovulation and do like more strength around ovulation and do lower pace exercise and like more recovery based exercise, strength and conditioning in a like a lower, lower general level this before you get your period. But again, I wouldn't just paint everyone with the same brush. I know it's such an annoying answer, but no, this is, ask this your is clients, it. how do you feel? Like if you're saying to them, like, don't do anything now, you're getting your period in three days, re-toe down go low in the weights. And they're like, I actually feel great that workout. Mm-hmm. I think, the, again, the awareness behind it, being like, you at your strength might be lower. It's completely normal. Maybe spend more time stretching or in recovery or why don't you own a yoga class this week or why don't you walk instead that week for your, for your cardio? Mm-hmm. Do something lower intensity instead. So I do, I do a lot of uh, kind of more mindset coaching where it's a lot, it's no direction. I, it's not, it's Love a non-directive. That. It's yeah. a very much a... Uh, ask tell so I'm going to ask the questions to try and see where we get to so I suppose you're you're kind of saying to have that approach with my ultra endurance clients and kind of like how are you feeling you know if you were to rate uh, on a scale of 1 to 10 what's your energy like yeah. you know these kind of open kind of questions where it'll kind of lead us to where where we can make a decision together. Yeah. And do you monitor their menstrual cycles? Like surely you have clients that lose their periods during ultramarathons if they're female. Well, you see, this is the thing, right? Um, I I haven't ha- I haven't experienced that yet. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Um, and I have braced with certain clients of mine. I have uh, said, look, I, I would love this for, for us to be an open forum for us to have these discussions. I kind of gauge how comfortable they are really because mm-hmm. I don't want to assume that they're going to be very comfortable with, me, with talking to me about this. Mm-hmm. So I just asked them, are you comfortable uh, with us kind of integrating your cycle into how we tailor your plan? And do most women say, yeah, surely they yeah. all say, yeah. Yeah. Would you do. not just have it as part of your thing saying this is part of the program? Uh, you see, I suppose it's not. For me, um, maybe I'm maybe I'm being a bit too careful, um, but I suppose I I wouldn't want to assume that everybody is comf- as comfortable as I am, let's say. So I'm very comfortable with mm. with a woman coming to me and saying, oh, I got such a heavy period at the moment. I don't think I'm going to make the long run this weekend. Um, can we tailor it down? If someone said that to me, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely no problem. But I don't want to assume that they are. So I want to kind of, and it's just like with anything, really, it's like um, if I was, uh, you know, wanting to talk to somebody who... Um, like I, I would always ask them, is there any underlying health conditions that I should know about diabetes or whatever? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this is something that, uh, you know, I, I would like to for people to feel open about, but they might not. 
you know, because I'm I'm their coach and not necessarily somebody that they, I'm their coach and y- y- we're going to develop a really close relationship over the time. But in our first kind of intro and our first, let's say, catch up call to set out our stall, like what are our goals, where are we going to go with it? I really do. I really am careful to lay out the boundaries for them to explore. I suppose, but as a woman as well, it's a part of our lich, let's every single day. Yeah. So it's not, it's not unusual for us. If anything, women, we'd feel uncomfortable because we think you're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So you should definitely consider having it on, like even just their, their intro form or their, what you call your, um, the like consultation sheet, having mm-hmm. watching our menstrual cycle and then maybe saying, this is something that I would talk to clients about if you don't want to let me know. Mm-hmm. But I think you should definitely have it in it because it's so important to have that conversation because that's a, that could be a huge part for them. Mm-hmm. Or if you have someone who's lost their period, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's yes. a sign of like, it's brilliant that you haven't had anyone yet. I see a lot of athletes that would have lost their periods due to overtraining and things like that. So um, it's like, it's so complex. It's really hard to get it mm-hmm. back because it's such a huge, like a lot of these people, as you know, are so healthy. They're so fit. They're not drinking. They're not out the weekends. And it's just almost going too far. So it's really tough because it's like their whole like lifestyle needs to be, be tweaked for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sorry, I'm off tangent. You should definitely just put it in. That's what I would do. Yeah, well, like I suppose I do introduce it to everyone. Yeah, you definitely. So when, when, yeah. I have, when I have a, a female client that we're having our intro calls, it's always something that I mm-hmm. will bring up and I'd be like, look, are you comfortable that we integrate your... Yeah, your 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 brilliant. your menstrual cycle into the plan and kind of have an open conversation about it, and it's usually very very friendly and very yeah. much a kind of a yeah, absolutely. I think it might even be refreshing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's it's be so refreshing. It you actually know? would as like a, a male coach that mm. is interested in it and saying like this is actually important. Mm. So if you you know highlighting the importance of how much your menstrual because again a lack of a lack of education they might actually not know how much it impacts. You probably know more than they do. Mm. they get a period but you probably understand hormones better than they do yeah this is well look this is the thing it's like I suppose having this conversation was really important for me really important for me because I don't want to be shooting completely in the dark yeah and I want to want like as as we kind of touched on as you kind of touched on there is um, about the awareness piece the more uncertainty goes down the more stress goes down yeah in everything in life. Yeah, absolutely. In everything in life. If someone said to you, here, I'm having a party there uh, at, at nine o'clock tonight, turn up and didn't say anything else, <laughs> you'd be like, oh, Jesus Christ. But if they said, uh, I have a party at nine o'clock, there are probably about 30 people there. Um, I have a DJ who's going to be playing some house music. The dress is kind of smart casual and uh, it's BYOB. It'd be grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so definitely. Your- There's no room for anxiety if we know the facts. 100%. Yeah. So that, and that's what I'm kind of getting from from you really is like for, and um, look, me, I, I don't want to say this as a man, but for women to get empowered to know, to get to know themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and to, because I suppose this is a, this is an element of life that like men have their own things going on with them, with them in terms of their, their bodies or in terms of their, you know, their, their thought patterns that are completely different to women, but it's an area that we don't have to deal with. Yeah. We don't have to deal with, with a menstrual cycle. We don't have to deal with everything that comes with. So for me, I really want to know more about it because there isn't this burden placed upon me. And I, I feel like if I'm, if I want to, uh, because empathy is good, but empathy that allows me to um, to change the way I interact with women to to more fit in the the, the menstrual cycle. That's what it's about. You yeah. know what I mean? For me, in in a professional setting. 
Yeah, and it's there's nothing I love more than a man sitting down having this conversation. Mm. It's so refreshing. Like mm. it really is. And what what would we what would we say to any of the because I've lots of male listeners, like what what would you say to them about about what we've been talking about? I think just understand the basics. It's two half the cycle. One half you feel absolutely amazing. You're happy. I would say you're happy and horny. <laughs> yeah. The second half, your boobs might be really sore and it might be really cranky. Mm. So not everyone, but I think understanding the fluctuation on a really just basic level. You don't have to know the hormones at play and what like cervical mucus is like certain parts of the cycle. Like you don't need to go into that much depth, but just understanding if your partner is not great that week or and you don't have to be like, and there's nothing more annoying than your husband being like, are you in your period? Is that why you're being a bitch? Like, if you want to be divorced, say that. How do we, br- how do we broach the conversation, So, I think more so if you knew yourself. Like, if you, I don't know, like, if you're more, like, I might say, oh, I have my period. You know you're not going to have sex because they have their period, right? Mm-hmm. I can I presume there's going to be a week that she's going to be like, oh, give it a couple of days. So you know, okay, she's got her period now. So probably in four weeks' time, when she's being a bitch, I'm not going to be like, do you have your period? Are you being a bitch? Or just being a bit more self-aware of how the cycle works, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. See, it's a tough one, like, <laughs> because we, because women don't track uh, or keep, keep or an eye on it as much them. sometimes, I think you know? even just, everyone is different. So I'm different. Like, I'm thinking about my husband because I track my cycle and I'm obviously talking about this stuff. And do you know what mm. I mean? Whereas there could be someone who is still, like, I think real Catholic Ireland, I think people from the country are just, they go red when I ask about their period, the females, mm. because. Really? Yeah. And I think it's just real, like, oh, like, I think just old Ireland like the, you know what I mean it's real taboo like don't talk about sex don't talk about your periods like you know it, this but the friend is over like people's mom used to call the period their friend is here like I have a lot of that kind of thing so it's really? like this shame or I don't know what it is around it but I think it's a real like old Ireland I think that will be gone in the next I don't think our generation will be like that as much so that girl who's embarrassed to even say period to me she might be mortified having the conversation with her partner but some people might not be. So I think as a man being like, uh, listen to this podcast your day, like, what's your cycle like? Or just asking, do you get bad period cramps? Or does mm. your mood be all over? I've never noticed before. Or just ask them, like, does it impact you? And they're like, no, it's chronic out period and am I fine? Or mm. they might say, yeah, actually, to be honest, like that that was me last week when I was randomly crying, crying at that ad on the TV. Or it opens the conversation because they think you don't want to hear about it either. Mm. Um, so... It's tricky. It is tricky because it's it's new for everyone. I think like it's our generation are the first to do it. I think. Yeah, I th- I think that that approach of asking is is so powerful in so many different ways. Not even just for men that are looking to know more about their partner cycle, but for anybody. For in any situation, I was talking to a company yesterday, and they asked me, um, "How does?" And this is a specific question for how does a woman approach a man who they believe to be having mental health issues. Mm. And uh, I, my approach is this ask questions more so than, um, more so than tell. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you go to somebody and you tell them something, it's probably 10% of, of what, what you're saying is going to go in. Whereas if you can, uh, and this might not be in the first interaction, it could be in the fourth or fifth interaction with somebody because there's a, there's a limit to this. You can't just ask, 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 ask. There's a limit to these things. So it's like, you ask the person the questions it allows them the space to think about themselves and to come up with the solution themselves and so when you ask um if you, when let's say if i was to ask my wife about her cycle it allows her the freedom to say to speak to me in about it the way she wants to 
Yeah. More so than me telling her what she should be telling me. Definitely. You know? Yeah. I just know, I, I just know it's like, you know, um, if my wife's on a pair, it's like, okay, fill the house with chocolate, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what I, but it's, it, it, that's the kind of thing where it's like, I don't really know what else to do, you know, other than to be kind of supportive and to, you know what I mean? Make sure the house is warm. That's, that's another yeah, thing. And you, you know? don't have, like, you have to understand that we have had, like, I'm 32, right? So mm. I've had appeared once a month since I've been 12. Mm. So it's it's not it's not a life changing thing. It's we're been not a huge event. We're so used to it, like so. Yeah, it's a nice thing. Like, oh, I got you dairy milk, like you know, grand. Like, yes. But it doesn't have to be this big. Oh my god, the period is here, and like, yes. It doesn't. It's not that dramatic for most. I mean, some women really suffer with their periods, and they do need a lot of support. But it doesn't have to be this huge, big song and dance either. Like, we just get on and go with flow. <laughs> go with flow. Go with the flow. Yes. <laughs> Love that. Pun intended. But, pun intended. And just kind of get on with it. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't, mm-hmm. it's, isn't, it doesn't have to be this life-changing conversation. Every, how are you this month and what's the PMS been? And like, you know, it's just understanding the basics 101, I think. If we can't, we had such a great, I, I had such a great conversation, which I've taken away so much, right? If there was anything for us to, to, to wrap up, right? And to say, if there's something that you feel that um, all women could hear, Right about their about their their menstrual cycle, about their their diet, nutrition, you know, uh, about the awareness around these things. What do you think that uh, you'd like to leave us on? Um, the biggest thing I say to clients is just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. So if you sat down with your pals on your lunch and you're all talking about what your symptoms were like that month, you're all going to have something, and you're like, oh, so she's the same. We're all we're all in it together. But just because we all have it, it's a sign of hormonal imbalances. So you don't have to accept it because it's not normal. So if you were sick of feeling a certain way for 10 days of your month or really struggling with heavy periods and being absolutely wrecked for the week after your period or your hormonal acne or not ovulating or having troubles getting pregnant, there's always answers there. You just have to go looking for them and question everything. The doctors, like I said, are so well trained, have so much respect for them, but they're limited in what they can tell you to do. Mm-hmm. so again even like my IVF clients I've clients gone they're on Clomid Clomid triggers ovulation now that's one part of the equation that'll that'll get you to release an egg you can have sex on the right day is your body are you healthy enough to get pregnant maintain a pregnancy mm-hmm. there's always a reason so I'm always like look for the root cause look for the deeper reason and that will start on your journey then of what you need to focus on basically mm-hmm. and it's hard it is really tricky it's like there's not everyone like, you know, with me, like I'm, a, I'm booked up three months in advance. Mm. That's how much of a demand. I have two nutritionists working for me, mm. nearly three. So, and I work full time. So there's such a massive demand there. So they need, needs to be more people that can do what I do. And it's amazing having these conversations. And there is some brilliant nutritionists that are specialized now in female hormones, but it's kind of more just trying to find someone who can support you on that journey because it's so complex. You shouldn't have to understand it all. If like me, if I'm doing an ultramarathon tomorrow, I'm not, I haven't, it's the first idea what to do. So go to someone who's qualified and can support you through that. It's the same thing for hormones. And just because it's happening every month, you feel like you should have control over it, but it's so complex. It really is. So don't feel bad that you feel like you can't sort it out yourself either. Yeah, that's, look, I think that's just such a great all around piece of advice to people because, and um, there is that tendency that if we see, if we, 
if um well, what is this thing the uh, the the bias that we get from from like oh yeah I've I I believe this and this person's going through the same thing so it must be true bias. confirmation yeah. bias yeah so it's this confirmation bias and then there's also this idea of the more we keep in the less we speak the less we share um the more uh, opportunity we give and this is also for for everybody in terms of their mental health is the more opportunity we give for our thoughts to um, start taking a negative shape and start going in and blaming ourselves and, and that happens so often with with everybody but I, I, I could imagine this is just me kind of trying to sit into a woman's place that if we are uh, in a situation where things are not, at, you know, the way they should be, mm-hmm. we blame ourselves. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Yeah. That and it's re- what I always say to people, it's it, your body is always, you're always number one. So I had a client yesterday and she's no period, hypothalamic amenorrhea, so purely down to stress. And she's freaked. So she's really upset and she, you know, she's really upset she hasn't had a period. She hasn't had it in a year and a half. But she's a doctor and she's working in a at the moment. She's working 80 hours a week right? She doesn't even get to eat on her night shifts. And I said to her, if you found out you were pregnant tomorrow, what would you do? And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, how would you feel? And she was like, I was like, would you be able to cope with it? And she was just like, probably not, like not in this job. No, I can't even have a cup of tea in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. So I was like, don't always see it as your body is going against you. Your mm-hmm. body is trying to protect you at the same time. And the same goes for women struggling with really bad cramps or hormonal issues. Again, your monthly report card. What did you do this month that your body was like, oh, actually, to be honest, I wasn't really happy with that. It's always trying to better you and get your attention and look after you. So don't see it as my body's going against me, being like, I'm actually not listening to what it's telling me Mm -hmm. at the moment. And again, with the loss of cycle and things like that, it's always, I think it's the other way. Your body's looking out for you. You're always number one. If you, Mm -hmm. it feels like you can barely look after yourself, it's not going to let you look after a baby. Well, you've just confirmed something for me there, right? Because I have always thought, especially since my wife gave birth to my son, how amazing women's bodies are. And Mm -hmm. you have just kind of confirmed that I don't even know how unbelievable they are. It's a whole, so I'm at six months pregnant now. It is a whole, like I know about pregnancy, I can get people pregnant, right? Mm. But being pregnant is a whole other ballgame in terms Mm. of, like I'm not in control of anything. My body's actively doing all these things and I'm not playing no part in it. So yeah. it's so like your period is the same. It's like, you know, it's it's understanding that our body is designed to do exactly what it's supposed to do once it has the right tools to do it. Mm. Yes. So, yeah. And yeah. yes, we are amazing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, 100 percent. And uh, and congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank congratulations. You. Expecting a little boy. Yes. Unbelievable. Yeah. Do you have any names? Uh, ideas? Oh, my God. So literally one thing we cannot agree on is names. OK, go it'll on. Be, you tell me yours. Baby Fox when it comes out. Baby Fox. OK. Baby Fox. And like we have like the names I love has been vetoed and the name that he loves has been vetoed. So it's just going to be no name baby until we see him. Okay. We can't agree. Right. Okay. Well, you're going to let the baby decide in terms of what you feel. You know, when you, when 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 he comes out. Yeah, we'll see what hoping, he looks like. Yeah, yeah. Hoping yeah. that he'll And kind hopefully, of give you shape. if depending on how the labor goes, my husband might be like, Do you know what, you deserve to name that baby. <laughs> 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 he might be like, Ashley, yeah, completely, it's up to you. Uh, yeah, look, I think what what I did, right, if I can give Aaron any uh, any advice or any other men that are uh, uh, that um their partners are pregnant and they're looking to um to name the child say an outrageous name or a name that you know she'll never pick and kind of go set that that's the one you want for a couple of weeks and then completely change it into a really nice name. So this is what I did, right? I Well, I said to, to Mel, I goes, we should call him Cucullin, <laughs> right? 
And I actually thought this was a brilliant name, right? <laughs> but um, I, I said, we should call him Cullen. I love the story of Cullen. I love, you know, the story of Satanta, the little boy. And then, and then it kind of dwindled and it goes, do you know what? We should call him Cullen. And she was like, yeah. Oh my God, that's a brilliant name. Because it's better than Cullen. It's better than Cullen. I, I, absolutely. I, I and love like, it was my son's Coen. name. It was always Cullen. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, lay, lay the seed of this terrible name that you're absolutely super stuck on and then go, actually, you know what? We should call him. Boom. And then... That's a good idea. I'll try it. Yeah, you yeah. do that now yeah. at home I'll with Aaron. Yeah, 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 100%. <laughs> Look, Ashley, before I let you go, where are people finding you? So my Instagram's Nutrition. I also have a podcast which is recorded in Dan's lovely studio here mm. which is Shout out Dan Hey Dan Shout out Dan Dan is the most educated man in hormones in the whole of Ireland right. I would say <laughs> Dan is like a human sponge like every time I come into him he's got new information for me obviously he's listening to people that are on these podcasts and so Most of it is false <laughs> The problem is we believe him because he's so trustworthy mm. He's probably like wrong and everything <laughs> this is a social experiment is what I'm doing here <laughs> um, so my podcast is called Spilling the Tea with Aoka Nutrition so the way I design the podcast is I kind of have a topic on each individual um, or a podcast on each individual topic so like one on irregular cycles one on heavy periods one on fertility one on PMS one on whatever so that's acne that kind of thing so at least it's not just you know you can go and listen to your 20 minute episode and mm. get all of your, your knowledge so if there are any male or female listeners that are interested in in kind of expanding on what we've talked about mm. today uh, spilling the tea uh, uh, available on Spotify everywhere. Uh, yeah, yeah everywhere the whole the whole shebang yeah AOK Nutrition is the HQ um, yeah. so touch base there or on my website and you can always book in for a consultation as well yeah absolutely and look yeah. if you're if you are listening to this and you find yourself in a situation that we've talked about that you're struggling to get pregnant you have an irregular cycle you have acne you have any of these things I do want to say that from talking to Ashling, that there is hope out there right and that's something as well that I, I really want to uh, I want to echo is that you might feel like you're alone in it you're not you can reach out to people you have a network there um, just just reach out to them, speak to them, and then touch base with people that really know what they're doing, like Ashling. And there is hope there, and there's a pathway for you to get to where you want to be. So, thank you so much, Ashling. Thank you so much for having me. Love the chat. Yeah.